We're thankful for another opportunity to study the Word of God. Thank the Lord for His grace and mercy and peace upon us another week. I hope that the grace of God has abounded in your life day by day. Pray that we could all grow in understanding and in knowledge of the Scriptures, being established in the truth by the power of God. We're thankful for His salvation, that when we were yet sinners, He was mindful of us, He died for us, came to us by the gospel and called to us, made us a part of His family. I'm thankful for you taking the time to listen to us another time. We're in 1 Kings chapter 18. Last time we saw the challenge on top of Mount Carmel. Elijah gathers together all the people and the prophets of Baal, and they've set up a challenge. Elijah says, we're going to give one bullock to the prophets of Baal, 450 men. They can call on Baal's name and seek his face not putting any fire under, and I'll do the same. I'll take one bullock, I'll dress him and put him on the altar, and I'll call on my God. And the one that answers by fire, that's the one we ought to follow. We ought to follow the one that has the power and the ability to answer prayer by fire. Whichever one's proven to be God, let's follow him. So we saw last time the prophets of Baal, they lay their sacrifice on the altar and they prayed all day from morning until the time of evening sacrifice they prayed. And there was no answer and no regard to their cry. Though they leapt upon the altar, though they cried with a great loud voice, they even went as far as to cut themselves and the blood gush out of them. They labored from morning through the heat of the day. They prayed and they cried and they sought and there was no answer whatsoever, no power in it. Friends, we ought to be able to look past the crying aloud, the show in the flesh, the leaping on the altar. We ought to be able to search for the Spirit of God, the true Spirit of God, and if we can't find the Spirit, then it doesn't matter what the show looks like, it's not true. They put on a great show, there was no fire, there was no answer. So try the spirits. Remember that, try the spirits. Don't take everything for granted. Don't believe everything you hear. There's many false prophets in the world today. Don't believe everything that's said to be of God. These prophets of Baal said they were of God. They had the numbers to prove it. Had a big following. They had the king behind them. There was 450 of them. Why, surely this is the right thing. No fire. No fire. So Elijah now, in verse 30. Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the, Lord, the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. So Elijah starts here. Now he's going to repair the altar. 
and he's going to lay his sacrifice in order. That's what we're seeing here. And Elijah says, come near to me. There's nothing to hide, and he's not trying to act deceitfully. He's not trying to hide a trick that he's pulling. But Elijah says, come near, watch closely, and examine what I'm doing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Paul says, I do not desire, nor do I try, to corrupt, to dilute the word of God. Paul had one desire, and it was that when he stood to preach the word of God, that what he preached was always the truth. Now, I, I believe this. In a man of God, one that is called of God, I believe that's his desire. And I can say for me, I've taught and said things that, that were not always right. And I look back on that and I have to pray, Lord, would you forgive me for teaching that? That was not right doctrine, and I taught it. But I, I did it ignorantly, in unbelief. I didn't know any better. I thought what I was saying was the right thing. I thought what I believed was the right thing, until the Lord helped me to grow a little and see that that was wrong. I didn't know. It wasn't purposely corrupting the Word of God. Again in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So Paul says, my labor, my work, is that I wouldn't walk in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. This is, this is the kind of magician talk that you've got going here. Cunning craftiness, a cunningly devised, a, a wily trick to deceive the mind of man, or handling it deceitfully with a means to try to lead somebody to believe something. That's not the truth. Men of God ought to desire to do, as Paul told Timothy, rightly divide the Word of God. And if anything will be a benefit to people, the Word of God is the only thing that will. If you want to help your church, the Word of God is the only means to help the church that the pastor, that the teacher, that the superintendent of Sunday school that the deacons, that the church members have to be a benefit to everybody else. The Word of God is our foundation. And friends, though you think, well, if I preach like that, it'll kill the church. Well, I say this, preaching in the flesh, that'll kill the church. But the Word of God, the Word of God, there may be strong meat that the babes can't eat yet. But there'll be some that'll be able to eat it and grow stronger from it. 
And you just keep feeding the Word of God and those babes will grow. And before long they'll be able to eat the strong meat as well. Just preach the Word. Don't corrupt it. Don't put your own message in it. Don't try to put your own spin in it. Don't hold back on the Word of God because you're afraid it'll hurt somebody's feelings. You stand on the truth and rightly divide it and represent it. No tricks. That's what Elijah says. Come near. Come and watch me do this so that you won't accuse me of pulling a trick or a stunt. Now, no doubt that's going to happen anyway. Because of the deceitfulness of the devil and the wickedness of man, no doubt that's going to happen. The Lord Jesus rose from the dead, and they paid men to lie and say they come and got him and took him away. Though they knew better, they still lied. God help us not to be liars. God help us to spread the truth of the gospel and stand upon the words of God. So Elijah says to the people, Come near. And the people came near. And he repaired the altar of the Lord. So now the first thing, and I don't know if we'll get out of this or not today. The first thing he does is repair the altar. And I, I believe this to be the case, that one of the first things Satan will destroy out of the life of one that's saved and born again is the altar of prayer that's in their life. Now, that may there may be, you may have a place in your house, in your closet, in a building, in a barn, in a bedroom. You might have a place that you resort to to pray. You may even have a little altar built where you would go and pray unto God. But know this, that the first thing the devil's going to take as he begins to take over the thinking and the mind and the life is the prayer life of the believer. And the first thing that Elijah has to repair as he comes to offer this sacrifice is the altar of the Lord that's been torn down. Now that's what the Bible says. That was broken down. The devil had broken down the altar of God that it was no longer a place that sacrifice could be offered. So in 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 33, Verse 15. And he took away the strange gods and the idol out of the house of the Lord, and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem, and cast them out of the city. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, and sacrificed their own peace offerings and thank offerings, and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. So here the altar has got to be repaired. The life of prayer must be there in the believer. So in, in Luke chapter 18 we got a parable of the Lord Jesus. Verse number 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought to always pray and not to faint. 
saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in the city, and she came to him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. So that word weary, it means to hit under the eye, black the eye. So here's an unjust judge, a man that is wicked, and a man that probably sells his judgment to the highest bidder. Yet this widow woman, she comes continually and he says, Look, if I don't do something about this, it's going to give me a black eye in the eyes of all the people. They're going to think, well, what kind of a judge is this? Here's this widow that's begged for help and she keeps coming and he won't do anything for her. He says, lest I get a black eye, I'm going to help her. So, hear what the unjust judge saith. Shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. So the Lord here is speaking this parable to this end that men ought to always pray and not faint, not relax, not loosen up, not lay back, but that we ought to seek God's face always in all things at all times and not relax from that. That prayer is necessity for the believers and the children of God. He says in Ephesians chapter number 6, Verse number 18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. We could look in Thessalonians, Pray without ceasing. The commandment over and over and over again is that the children of God would pray unto their Father and pray about and in regard to all things, praying always with all prayer, worship, and supplication, petitions in the Spirit. We ought to be praying unto God and laying and making our requests known unto the Master. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Over and over and over again, God is encouraging us to pray. From the Lord Jesus to the Apostle Paul, through the Old Testament and the New Testament, God says that His children ought to pray and seek after God's face. Because when, when I refuse to pray, then what I'm saying is that I don't need God's leadership or His direction or His guidance for the situation that I'm in. Now, in your opinion, as you look at me, as you think about me, can you think of anything that I don't need God's help with? I can't think of... I can't think of anything that I don't need God's help 
God's strength, God's wisdom, God's guidance, God's power, God's leadership. Now, I'm not saying this, and I, I realize this happens, that I know what the will of God is, and yet I still pray that God would change His will. I want to do this. God does not want me to do this. Well, I'm going to pray about it. Well, no, that, that's not what we're talking about here. But when we know what the will of God is, that we pray that God give us the strength to do the will of God, that we pray, as the Lord says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, that day by day you would strengthen and establish our soul. Help us, O oh God, not to be led astray into a lie. Help us, O oh God, to be wise in all things. Help us, God, to stand the test of today. Help us, God, to be a witness and a light and an example to a dying world. Help us, God, to live for you on the job. Help us to live for you before the family and, and worshiping as well. Giving thanks unto God for His goodness and mercy and grace. Giving God the credit for all things that we have. We do all of these things in prayer and Jesus says men ought to always pray and not to faint. And He, he gives us this parable because the Lord knows that when, the, when he don't answer in a day or two, that the devil says, well, you ought to just quit. God's not going to hear that business. The first thing he wants to take is our prayer life. That we don't worship God day by day and thank him for his goodness and mercy upon us. And he wants to rob us of our prayer life that we would make requests and seek wisdom from God himself. James said, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally. Wisdom to face the trial. Wisdom to face the trouble. Day by day we need to seek God. Make our requests known unto Him. And Paul says, Pray for me day by day. That a door of utterance would be opened and that I could boldly speak the Word of God. Do you know what we need? Prayer. And the first thing the devil robs from God's people is their prayer life. Why praying? That's, that's not all that important. It's not necessary. Well, could you take any of those scriptures that I read and prove that? No, but that's people think that way in the flesh. You know what's happened? The devil has broken down the altar at the house. Sure, we come to church and we pray and we bow on our face, but at the house do we have an altar? Is there a place where we resort to God when we're at home? Is there a time that we seek God's face at home? Or has the devil broken down our altar? You want to come to God and you want to get fire from heaven. Here's the first step. Repair the altar of the Lord that was broken down. You look at Josiah, you look at Hezekiah, you know what they all did? As the nation was turning back to God, they're repairing. Repairing the altar that sacrifice could be made unto the Lord. So God help us, God give us strength that we might pray always in the Spirit 
and faint not, that we might make our requests and our supplications known unto God, that we might, as Peter says, cast all our care upon him, for he careth for us. And if he bear long, don't faint. But if the unjust judge gives in by the little widow woman's continual coming, won't the Lord who loves us, that cares for us, that is just, won't he hear our prayer as well? He certainly will, and he'll avenge them speedily. So pray, repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. Now maybe we can read this, and maybe we don't think a whole lot of that. But now in this day the nation was divided, as we've said in the past. The kingdom of Israel were the ten tribes to the north. The kingdom of Judah was um, the tribe of Judah and Benjamin and the Levites that resorted to them. So that the kingdom of God, the children of Jacob, if you'll have it, were divided against each other, and for the most part they despised each other. And that followed all the way to the days of Jesus, that there was the Lord speaking to the woman of Samaria. The Samaritans were part of that northern ten kingdoms, the, the northern ten tribes that broke away. They were still despised and hated by those in Judah and Benjamin. They were looked down upon and despised. And she said, y'all don't have anything to do with us. Why are you speaking to me? So this was a sentiment that continued. And even in this day, in Elijah's day, the kingdoms divided. And no doubt, they despise each other in a lot of ways. Yet when Elijah is going to build this altar, he's going to take 12 stones. And the reason, he says here, is it's according to the number of the tribes. Elijah was seeking the God of old. I believe there's the picture there. God is still the God over all of the world. Though the northern ten tribes had completely forsaken God, they had completely forsaken the priesthood, they had completely forsaken the temple, and they had went wholeheartedly after Baal, yet God was still the God over them. And when Elijah is going to make an altar, he takes twelve stones according to each one, all in one unit, though naturally divided, God was still over and above all. And God is still over and above all. In Luke chapter 19, the Lord gives a little parable, a parable of the pounds. It's very similar to the parable of talents in the book of Matthew, but here he's got ten pounds, and he gives a pound unto each one of his servants, and he tells them to occupy till I come. So some of them take them and labor, but as he says in verse number 14, his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. So there were some that threw those down and said, We're not going to do anything with those. We're not going to serve God. And we're not going to serve you. Well, in 27, verse 27, Those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither 
and slay them before me. So though they rejected, and though they refused, yet God was still God over them. God's authority still reached them, and they were judged for their stiff-neckedness and for their rebellion against him. Now man need not think that he's out from under the authority of God. The northern ten tribes had broken away from Judah and Benjamin. They had stopped worshiping down at the temple in Jerusalem. They had forsaken the priesthood and the law. They had forsaken at this time the prophets of God. Yet God is still their God. God is still their authority. And though our world today reject and rebel and despise and cast down and say that God will never rule over me, He's still the supreme authority over all and all of man is still accountable unto Him whether they like it or not. It's got nothing to do with what I do. And I'm not going to have to crown Him king when I get to heaven. He's going to be king whether I crown him king or whether I spit in his face. He's the king. I'm either going to go and be with him or I'm going to be cast out of his presence in the outer darkness. So he builds the altar out of twelve stones unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Now this wasn't built in anybody's name as far as the flesh goes, but this was an altar that was dedicated unto the service of the Lord. Now in Colossians, how does that fit us today? Well in Colossians chapter number 3 Verse number 17. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So everything that's to be done today is done in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why are things acceptable to God? How can we be accepted to God? By Jesus Christ. How is my sacrifice going to be accepted to God? through Jesus Christ. How will my prayer be accepted? Through Jesus Christ. How can preaching be acceptable unto God? Through Jesus Christ. There would be nothing outside of the name of the Lord Jesus that's acceptable to God. And if I'm going to give thanks to God and the Father, how can I give thanks to God and the Father in heaven? By Him. By Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus is the means. It's through His name through His sacrifice that we can come to God and be acceptable to Him. Ain't it something that sinners today can be accepted through Jesus' name? So the altar of the Lord here, it's in the name of the Lord that it might be acceptable in God's sight. Well, our altar, Jesus Christ, all things are to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the end, he's to get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for all things. So he's going to dig a trench now as well. He made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. So the trench is a channel. 
into which water is raised for irrigation. So he's making something like an irrigation ditch, as we would call it. So Elijah, he's not only uh, building an altar with no fire. You know, he told the prophets of Baal, put no fire under it. Well, he's not only doing that, but also he's going to add the opposite of fire. Can you go underwater and build a fire? There's, there's no way to go underwater and build a fire. It's absolutely impossible. I tell you what we're doing. We're narrowing this down now to where less and less it can be the power of man. And it must be God that answered this. Now, you think, we, we talked about those magicians that resisted Moses over in Egypt. But in Exodus chapter 8, verse 16, and, and we mentioned this, I think it was last time that we talked about this. May have been the time before. In Exodus chapter 8, verse 16, The Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod, and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with a rod, and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man and in beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. So the, the first couple plagues of Egypt, the magicians were able to replicate it with their trickery and with their cunningly devised uh, machines. They were able to replicate the miracles that God was doing. But God's going to get it to a place now that they're unable to do it. It's impossible for man to do it. And this is what they say. Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. So they admit God is the one behind this. It's impossible that man could do this. That's where God always brings us to. It's impossible that we could do anything here. But now, not just the lice. That was just the beginning of things that they couldn't replicate. There's going to be flies, the moraine of the beasts, bulls and blains, hail fire, locusts, darkness, and death. The death of the firstborn brought upon the nation of Egypt that the magicians couldn't replicate. God is going to bring it to a place that it is known. That He is God. Period. Well, that's what He's doing here in 1 Kings. Elijah's dug a trench, and not only is He not building a fire, but He's building a trench to contain water, and He's going to pour water on it. And we'll look at the, the water pouring next time. But God's bringing it to a place that it's impossible that man could do this. That as man would look, he would say, there's no hope here. 
and I, I believe this, that as man would have looked at my natural life at 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, they would have said, boy, that, that young man does not have any chance of being saved. And yet God wrought a work of redemption. And it, it was all to God's glory. God went above and beyond what man was able to do, accomplishing that that only He could get the glory, the praise, and the honor for. And certainly, we're thankful for that. So, uh, as great as would contain two measures of seed. Now, the exact amount that went in these trenches, I don't know. But I believe this is, say, I don't know what two measures of seed are. Um, and I couldn't really find a sure answer. But I believe it was written like that. So especially people at the time that this was written, they would know that measurement. But that it could be known that this was a large amount of water. This wasn't a little uh, two or three inch wide trench that Elijah made. But he made a trench big enough to hold two measures of seed, a great deal of water, a great deal of labor that was done here in order to make it impossible. Now Elijah can't get glory for this. Notice through all of this that that's the goal. Elijah said, come near and know that I'm not doing any of this. Elijah is building the altar in the name of the Lord, twelve stones in memorial of the Lord God of Israel that made promises to Jacob. He's digging a trench about it to fill with water. He's making it impossible for him to do it. And he's letting it be made known that it's not by his power that it's going to be done. And all the glory, the altars in the name of the Lord, not in Elijah's name. All the glory is going to redound to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the church, that's got to be, that has got to be our end goal if we're seeking glory for ourselves, then certainly we're seeking the wrong thing. We're going to fail. We're going to be cast down. But the glory of the Lord Jesus, that's what we need to be seeking and desiring. So we're thankful for another opportunity to study. Hope the Word of God can be a help to you. We'll pick up right there next week and we'll look at Elijah laying the sacrifice in the wood, pouring the water and Lord will and Elijah's prayer unto God. We thank you for listening. I, I really thank you for taking the time to listen to us. We love you, and please pray for us.